Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, the first revision of the Prairie Nutrient Removal Calculator in more than 20 years is now available online for producers and agronomists. The updated version covers more crops, 15 in total, as well as micronutrients, boron, zinc, and copper. It was a long three-year process covering years 2020, 21, and 22. Dr. Fran Wally, along with Dr. Rich Farrell, are the research scientists with the University of Saskatchewan leading the effort, and they will talk about their work. Several government departments, consultations and decisions are converging to clear a path for gene-edited technology to be approved as a breeding technique for conventional crops. Agriculture and Agri-Food Minister Marie-Claude Bebo announced that the Canadian Food Inspection Agency would move forward with Part 5 of the seed regulations. That decision set out that gene editing was considered non-novel and be treated as such through the regulatory system. Jim Everson with the Canola Council of Canada will talk about the updated guidance and how this will be beneficial to farmers. After the break, doctors Fran Wally and Rich Farrell. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. University of Saskatchewan research scientists doctors Fran Wally and Rich Farrell have been working on a revised prairie nutrient calendar. So uh, first of all, let's talk about the calendar. And I understand this is the first update in uh, over 20 years now. So how much work went into this? And uh, I imagine you had a lot of help from uh, many different people. Yeah, it was. It was, uh, and that was actually one of the cool things about this project was we had a lot of people contributing. So the idea was to take samples from commercial farms, so not small plot research sorts of things. This was from active farms across the prairies. And so we worked with uh, John Hurd at, uh, in Manitoba with uh, Manitoba Agriculture and uh, Lyle Cowell with Nutrien, uh, who's an agronomist with uh, Nutrien. And they had people who went out and collected all the samples, sent them to the, and sent them to them. In addition, we had people who went out and collected samples and did it. So it was a small army of people who were out there collecting all of these samples. And it took place over a three-year period. Part of that was we had the drought in 2021, and so we limited the number of samples we did then just because of the drought. So how many samples did you collect and how many crops were involved? Well, it was over 2,200 samples, and it was initially we had uh, planned to collect 14 uh, crops, and but we kept receiving samples for faba bean, <laughs> so we ended up including faba bean in our nutrient calculator as well. So it was a lot of samples to be processing coming from, you know, right across the prairies. And we really wanted to make sure that we were representing, you know, Western Canada. Now, you mentioned that this was done over a three-year period. Uh, was this uh, done during COVID-19 pandemic? You bet. First year of COVID. And that, uh, of course, added a, a lot of complications to it. Um, you know, the university was essentially shut down. So it was... Um, uh, yeah, that first COVID year was... Um, it was tough to navigate. Yeah. True. 
But people, but it's surprisingly, we still, we still got a lot of samples that year. People still went out and were willing to participate and willing to, to you know, make the effort to do this, despite the fact that everybody had different sort of restrictions on what they could, could and couldn't do. Now, as we mentioned, this calculator, it's been around for a couple of decades. Uh, has it been used a lot by producers? I would say it's one of the most valuable pieces of paper that I've had on my office wall, and I think agronomists across Western Canada would agree. And it actually uh, was released in 2001, but it was based on um, an earlier version that had been produced in 1992. So my guess is that data actually came out of the 80s. And so, uh, of course, we've got different, um, you know, varieties, different genetics, different management practices, different cropping rotations. So it was absolutely time to uh, revise it. Now, uh, I understand that a lot of nutrients, of course, are included in this calculator. And I'm assuming there's a lot more than when when uh, this happened back in 2001. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the major macronutrients, so nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, sulfur, and then we have the uh, micronutrients, boron, zinc, copper. Uh, copper. Now, did you notice any major differences between the two calculators with regards to nutrients of the crops that uh, jumped out at you? There, it was. I would say what we've done is um, revisions, not huge changes. But in um, with phosphorus and potassium, we saw in a lot of instances um, uh, lowering of the numbers on a per bushel basis in terms of nutrient removal, which kind of implies that uh, crops might be and the management systems might be a little bit more efficient than was predicted by those earlier numbers in terms of uh, nutrient use efficiency. So that's good news. Um, there were a couple that surprised us. The nutrient removal in terms of sulfur and canola was lower than we expected. And we're really cautious about that and we're advising uh, to be pretty conservative on that in particular uh, because of the importance of sulfur in canola production. So I would say we were um, revising, but not huge differences. Yeah, and, and with this, we, we were collecting this data to sort of revise the calculator. The next step really is to try and understand why things did what they do. So like the, for the sulfur, it could just be that the plants are more or more effective, and so they don't need as much. But we don't, you know, we have to look at that. That was outside the scope of this project. Now, the calculator uh, looks at nutrient removal. Uh, did you look at nutrient uptake, and are those numbers available at this point? Yeah, so we did look at nutrient uptake, and that meant um, collecting vegetative samples, like biomass samples, at crop stages where we assume that the crop has taken up the maximum amount of the nutrient. And that was a sort of a Herculean task to uh, collect those crop samples from across Canada, or uh, across Western Canada, rather. 
Um, and what we learned there is that they were there was a lot of variability associated with those values. So those numbers are, are in the final report. We haven't included them on the calculator because the calculator, the really, um, I guess, uh, critical number is understanding what is being removed in the seed when the seed is harvested rather than uptake. And the one point I'd like to make is this is just a tool for helping to uh, make um, fertilizer management decisions, but should absolutely be used uh, in in um, uh, in conjunction with uh, you know soil testing. And so these are estimates based on. Um, you know, the survey data that we've collected, but we know from that survey data that there is a fair bit of variability in some of those numbers. And with uh, most research, um, I guess a lot of farmers and organizations were involved to uh, make this work possible. Now, we definitely like to thank the funding agencies and uh, uh, the support that we've received from them and all the um, you know, the growers who uh, uh, made samples available for us that was and, and allowed us onto their um, fields to collect biomass samples. So it wasn't, it, the project wouldn't have been possible without the help of all those people. Yeah. Uh, there was probably about 300 people that where we were visiting, probably less than 300, that we were on 300 different fields collecting biomass samples alone and then all of the farmers who were contributing the seed samples. So a lot of people were involved. So when we're talking about those numbers, did you find that the data was accurate? The more numbers we have, I think the, the more confident we are. And I think it's important to recognize that there is that variability in the data, and that's part of the message, I think. Uh, and uh, it tells us that there isn't going to be a single number that applies to every field. And so again, that's why this is a tool to help sort of um, sometimes even understand the soil test results. Really want to know how much crop, how much nutrients your crop is taking up, you should just get it tested. In many ways, you know, in terms of uh, making decisions about managing fertilizer for the upcoming crop, but also understanding um, what's being removed and, and maintaining, you know, fertility levels in the soil. And so I think there's lots of different applications uh, for, for using that information. So tell us where producers can find this calculator. It's online. Um, there's a, the funding agencies will have links to it from the so like, uh, you know, Western Grains uh, Research Foundation, Sask Wheat, Sask Canola, Sask Flax, uh, you know, the uh, uh, the Prairie Oat Growers Association. They were all people who, who put money uh, into this to help fund it, Alberta Wheat Commission. So they've all got links to it. And, you know, we're assuming that they will make those links available from their website. Yeah, the, the uh, URL is Prairie Nutrient Calculator, all one word, dot info, and that should bring you to the uh, calculator. 
That was doctors Fran Wally and Rich Farrell, research scientists with the University of Saskatchewan, working on the Prairie Nutrient Removal Calculator. After the break, Jim Everson with the Canola Council of Canada on the CFIA's updated guidance on seed regulations and its impact on the farming community. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Jim Everson is the president of the Canola Council of Canada, and we're going to talk about CFIA's updated guidance for seed regulations. Jim, what is this about? Maybe explain uh, what the intent is and how it can help farmers in the long term. Yeah, sure. So um, there's regulations on new products that come into the market in the seed business that are that are overseen by the government of Canada and Health Canada and CFIA are the two agencies that play a big role in that in Canada. But it's something that happens around the world. You know, all countries do this. And as you'll be aware, um, one of the issues uh, has been, you know, with genetic modified products, for example, that there's a there's very stringent regulations around the world. So we have to be, you know, very careful how we introduce uh, and commercialize products into the Canadian marketplace and so on. And this is an area where there's new plant breeding innovation, new new techniques for plant breeding, and one of them is gene editing, which is different, of course, than genetic modification. And so the industry has been interested in seeing, you know, the whole value chain interested in seeing clear regulations in Canada and in other countries around the world for how seed products that result from gene editing technology techniques get introduced into the marketplace. And so we're very pleased that CFIA is providing this guidance um, because those companies that innovate with these products, you know, really can't bring products to market unless they know how they're going to be treated legally and under the regulations. And so this guidance will help clarify that. And the benefit is that gene editing holds the promise of, you know, significant new innovation in seeds where things like disease resistance and drought resistance and even possibly nutritional benefits and uh, certainly sustainability benefits um, uh, all, you know, all could result from new genetic technology. So it's really important that growers have an opportunity to um, have access to these uh, to, to, to products that come about as a result of gene editing. And I'm assuming that it uh, took quite a while to get to this point? Yes, the, you know, the industry has been working with the government of Canada for some time on this. Um, <clears throat> um, first with Health Canada and then subsequently with um, CFIA, and those agencies have, you know, kind of different responsibilities under the regulatory framework. Um, and, you know, the United States had made a decision on their regulatory pathway, um, I can't say exactly when, but, but, but quite a while ago, and other other countries like Japan and so on have done so also. So we're, we're very pleased that Canada has got to a point of getting their regulations uh, or guidance out uh, for consultation now. Now, are these regulations the path forward, or is it similar to what other countries have done? Yeah, yes, it is aligned well with, with you know, I can't speak exactly to the to regulations, but generally speaking, the guidelines that the CFIA has published today are close, you know, are aligned very well with, with the approach that's been taken in the United States and in Japan and some and, and other markets, um, which is also good for, you know, alignment uh, and um, predictability in, in terms of accessing markets. 
So are the plant breeders ready to move forward? I'm assuming it won't take them long to uh, to get on board and uh, and get going. Well, I think uh, companies are at different stages of development and so on, but certainly there are products that, that you know that are that are I think pretty much um, ready to to be move forward that are resulting from these new breeding techniques. I wouldn't, uh, you know, I can't speak to any specific uh, product. Um, and then others, I think what the regulation does is provide some predictability so that companies are more comfortable, you know, in investing in, in the research and development they have to undertake to bring products to market. Now, there has been opposition to this. Uh, do you feel that the government addressed those concerns from your viewpoint? Uh, yes, I think so. I think, you know, people are concerned, in, you know, with, with, you know, with change at any time and with, and with something that would possibly affect food and feed and that sort of thing. So um, the, the key part, I think, to the regulations that have been um, uh, published today, draft regulations, is the transparency portions of it. So the idea being that um, you make sure that um, there's transparency around how these products are produced, and so that all the all the uh, all the groups involved in the in the market, downstream market, and the value chain are aware of the of of the products and how they were created. And so that includes the grower and, you know, the exporter and those in the organic sector and that sort of thing. So everybody's got the information necessary to make business decisions. And Jim, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Oh, we're very pleased. And we, you know, we're, we're thankful for that the, uh, that the government has brought this forward and for Minister Bebo's uh, work on this to make sure that we, you know, we have these regulations in place. Canola Council of Canada President Jim Everson. And here are the top agriculture stories for the week of May 8, 2023. The interest-free limit of the advance payments program was increased from $250,000 to $350,000 for the 2023 program year effective this week. Under the cash advance, producers have access to up to $1 million based on the expected value of their agriculture cultural product. The program can also provide some flexibility by allowing producers to sell their agricultural products based on market conditions rather than the need for cash. By increasing the interest-free limit, participating producers could save an additional $3,600 in interest costs on average for the year. The Do More Agriculture Foundation announced the launch of its 2023 campaign to raise awareness about the importance of talking it out regarding mental health in agriculture. The campaign addresses the stressors those in agriculture face, such as weather uncertainty, market instability and financial pressures. Executive Director Megs Reynolds says it's very timely, with spring seeding getting underway. The campaign called Talk It Out encourages conversations about mental health in the agriculture sector, promotes resources and support for those struggling with mental health challenges, and to help reduce the stigma surrounding mental health. March was the busiest month of the crop year for Canadian wheat exports. Indonesia and China were 1 and 2 in March at 276 and 272,000 tons respectively. China, though, remains by far Canada's biggest wheat buyer in the 2022-23 crop year. 
Total Canadian wheat exports from August through March were 13.1 million tonnes, about the same pace as 2020-21. The federal government will expand a pilot project to attract more foreign workers to jobs in Canada's agriculture industry. The government launched the program three years ago to offer temporary workers in the ag and food sector a pathway to permanent residency in this country. Immigration Minister Sean Fraser said the pilot experienced some challenges during the pandemic and the government wants more time to test it out. He also says the family members of workers who make it into the program will be given open work permits so they can earn a living while they're in Canada. The Flags Council of Canada found its new president, Rick Mitzel, has been named to the post. Mitzel replaces Wayne Thompson, who has moved on to serve as executive director of the Western Grains Research Foundation. Mitzel will continue his role as executive director of Saskatchewan Mustard Development Commission and CEO of Mustard 21, in addition to his role as president of the Flags Council. The Canola Council of Canada is now accepting letters of intent for the 2024 Canola Agronomic Research Program. It's designed to assist canola growers in increasing yield and profitability while reducing production risks and enhancing sustainability and in turn transferring that knowledge. The deadline for submissions is June 16th with notification and requests for full proposals going out to applicants in September. The list of research priorities can be found on the Alberta Canola, Sask Canola and Manitoba Canola websites. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, tell your friends and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarland for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.